This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. And where to start really, Rob? The cricket has been, well, it's been a washout. You said it. In terms of a five-day test match, this has been, well, I think you've got to go all the way back to 1931 for more days and more hours that have been washed out as much as this one. It's been a farce. Yeah, it has. And, and obviously not being helped by the, the schedule, the fact that in the UK, typically speaking, most test matches are played in the month of July, some in early August, but now we're now into mid-August. Mm. And uh, there's no real excuse because I think we played, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, test cricket was played last year. Yeah, in, August. In as late as, August in as late as September. Um so because of the World Cup, therefore, I think the, uh, the the test series after the World Cup was played late on into the summer. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a risky take in a climate in a country like the UK, which sees a lot of rain. And unfortunately, it's just come thick and fast and it's completely washed out the entire test match, which is rare. Doesn't see, don't, we don't, see that, don't see that very often. But I think because test cricket as a concept is, is somewhat on the ropes at the moment, and a lot of people are investigating how to make it more palatable, how to make it more, I hate to say this, but, you know, consumerable, mm -hmm. if you like, yeah. because it's all about the short attention spans of viewers but and all that sort of stuff. It doesn't help itself, does cricket, and in the test arena. And it was interesting. I was reading a couple of articles over the weekend about this, and bad light has again come on, come under kind of the microscope in the terms in terms of the umpires taking you know taking it upon themselves. It's their responsibility to call when the players need to be pulled off for bad light. But it was pointing out to me that on Friday, day two of this particular test, rain had essentially wiped out the morning. They came to the wicket. 12.30 did the two teams emerge. 12.30 local time over there in the UK. And there was about a two-hour window with which to play some cricket before the weather forecast was to say there would be some more rain. Now, in that instance, you've got to adapt, but they didn't. They played an hour and then they were pulled off for lunch. Yeah. For 40 mean, minutes. That's, that's a nonsense. It's ridiculous. That is a nonsense. But again, that's just, that's harking back to a time when it was, you know, it was tradition ruled. The, the coin Come toss on. at the beginning. An hour for lunch? Is that really in this modern day and age when players are are hydrating and they're eating kind of snacks that, that mean that... Like you look at a tennis player eating a banana and drinking one of those concoctions that they have, usually luminous in colour. <laughs> Rafael Nadal has like nine of them lined up. But like, come on, guys. You, know, just, just, you don't that. need an hour for a buffet lunch mm. during your... It's just well, there'll like, be no buffet now, will it? Well, of course, but whatever. Just, yeah. You know, it just it's it's crazy. It's it's harking back. It's it's too rooted in tradition. I agree. And listen, I'm all for test cricket. This is not me poo-pooing it in any way, shape, or form. It's just a little bit of common sense just needs to come in. Because again, I, I know there was a number of fans on social media, I think yesterday, pointing out as well, what are you waiting for? There was a decent bit, a patch of dry weather. I can't believe we're talking about the weather again to kick off this hour. But a patch of real good weather in the morning. But of course, they weren't due on until 11am local time. They could have been out at 9am, get a couple of hours in. Particularly because it's behind closed doors, so you're not even you're not even worried about fans who would be coming in and arriving at the venue at eleven. So you could, in theory, again eleven. It's all rooted in very traditional. You know, cricket must begin at eleven. There is a break for lunch at one, and then one thirty local, and then tea. Yeah, I mean, again, common sense out the window, but something needs to be done. I do get it though. You can't. 
you know you can't account for the because weather. And what even, it's done is even it's just in a taken... sport, even in a sport as, as as archaic as golf, in many ways, at least they respond to weather alerts with they pull tee times forward, they push them back, they they are they are somewhat responsive to threats of weather interruptions. Mm. Whereas in cricket, it's just rigid. There's nothing. It's frustrating is what it is because, of course, at that thrilling opening test match, we were expecting yet more fireworks in this one. Well, whatever been... they did, Chris, even if they even if they t- tweaked, tweaked it, we maybe it, not had a result. There'd You're never right. have been a result. So Pakistan, been... all to do because, of course, they are now heading into the third and final match of this three-match series. They do trail 1-0, uh, England winning that first test, of course. So we'll keep an eye on that. And as you say, play is still ongoing, though. They're just... Yeah, 36 for one, England. But it just, it's just What's point? petering out. It's yeah. just meandering towards an inevitable draw. Well, listen, let's get to last night's football if we can, Rob. You, like me, stayed up well past your bedtime to watch Man United against Sevilla. And it's Sevilla who are a bit of a masters at this Europa League slash UEFA Cup. It is they who have booked a sixth final mm. place. Incredible. Well, a little bit like the Manchester City game against Lyon, it was, it's tempting to dwell on the kind of what-ifs of the game because obviously if, if the ball falls a slightly different way, if one shot hits the back of the net instead of ricochets off the legs of a severe defender, then you know the result might have been wildly different. There was a spell at the beginning of the second half where United were all over Sevilla mm-hmm. like a rash. They were carving them apart at will. Anthony Martial culpable of a few glaring misses. I know Marcus Rashford having won that penalty was also a little bit culpable in good spots, good opportunities. And there was just that couple of minutes where I thought, how have United not scored. They fired in about five shots at almost point-blank range, which cannoned off legs and bounced and a couple of good saves from the keeper. And then then you sort of left thinking, well, they've kind of been... They've had a number done on them by Sevilla, who rode out that storm and then punished them for their profligacy. And then United looked a bit out of ideas when they were forced to call upon to, to try and come up with an equaliser. And it was almost a little bit of a microcosm of their whole season because it really was. they looked good in places. They had verve, they had speed, they had that kind of pace and, and energy up front that, that has been so badly lacking in previous seasons under Louis van Gaal, Jose Mourinho. They've definitely improved in that regard and they've got an exciting attack now. And they're actually fun to watch now, which is a huge difference. Yeah. If, if you like if you're if you're just if, if you're the kind of fan that just wants their team to be fun to watch, then United are great right now. But just a bit naive and Solskjaer didn't make a substitute till the eighty seventh minute. Substitution till the eighty seventh minute just seemed a bit bereft of ideas yeah. and didn't quite have the tactical nous to to figure out a way to to beat some quite wily opponents. Now, that is a conclusion you could draw, which might have turned out so differently had United converted some of those chances and they might have ended up winning the game three, maybe even 4-1 once they got into their stride. So these games, like the City game with the Sterling chance, which was an open goal from a couple of yards out and then Leon scored again, these games can obviously... Small margins, small, uh, the, the, the old cliche, isn't but, it? But, but you're looking for patterns, you're looking for kind of things to take out of the game and I thought Jonathan Liu from The Guardian wrote, wrote a really good piece because he put he basically said United have a loose philosophy and a style of play based on a, on a very electric front five but they entrust too much to good feelings and blind faith they don't really have a plan they don't have 
a different set of tactics to approach each game. No, they don't. They're, but they're, but they're, what I would say to that is that at least, and, and listen, I've I've been pretty scathing in, in my assessment over the years of United. What I am seeing, though, at least there is, and whilst I hugely respect Jonathan Lewin, I think there's a lot of what he says is absolutely true in that, at least there is a little bit more of a structure. There's a little bit more of pattern of play that I think was distinctly lacking under Jose Mourinho. There is an exciting front three, front five, if you're including Bruno Fernandes and Paul Pogba in that. And as we saw in places last night, the 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 the, the incisiveness, the pace of passing, the movement, it's a joy to watch. The key now will be, and this is the big question, and this is the this is the area that I still don't think Ollie is capable of this, and I, I will be delighted to be proven wrong. Can he now string that together in entire matches? Can they do it for a month, two months, across a nine-month season? That well, is where I also have can issue with. can they respond to adversity? Because at the moment, I think he's got them into a into a position where when they're in the mood and things are going well for them, they're pretty much a handful for any team. As we've seen, they beat Manchester City. You know, they they can they can go toe to toe now with with almost any team, with the exception of maybe one or two. I think they'd probably still be beaten fairly fairly comfortably by a Bayern Munich, for example. But in the Premier League, we've seen it. They're well capable now on a one-off game. Of, of mixing it with some of the best teams in the Again, league. Again, though, Rob, it's consistency. Exactly, it's consistency, but also when there's adversity, when they are up against it, when it's not their day, when he has to make a decision that changes, like Fergie was so good at doing, yeah. that changes the course of the game, digging out results, just like we've seen that Liverpool have proved so good at doing in their title-winning campaign, those 2-1 wins that, that really are the hallmark of, of pretty much any Champ, uh, Premier League winning team or, or, or domestic title league winning team because you're always going to have those games where it's you're not, not really your day it, yeah. you're, you're kind of struggling a little bit from what I've seen of United they're not at that point because Solskjaer is not tactically cute enough and the players themselves are not they're not versatile enough I don't think to to sort of change things up the other thing is that was kind of underlined as well United really need a 25-goal-a-season striker, and they don't have one. They've got Greenwood, Martial and Rashford, all of whom are pretty much the same type of player. They're fast, they, they, they're, they're great in bursts and great in patches, they can look really good, but there's no Harry Kane there banging in goals. Mm. And uh, Mason Greenwood or, or uh, Anthony Martial, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think they're 25-goal-a-season Martial's, players. I think, 23 this season in about 48 games, I think it is, or 49 now. So he is someone that can score goals. I do take your point, though. A master finisher, a Harry Kane, a Lewandowski, dare I say an Aguero, they do not have. They have got this three fleet-footed forwards who can interchange, and if they get Jadon Sancho, that is more of the same. That will allow all the competition for places is good. That keeps players on their toes Monday through Friday, and it allows him to freshen things up. I do take the point. I think there's no doubt. And, and last night, and you beautifully put it, it was a bit of a microcosm on the season. There is no doubt they need a centre-half. They need a dominant, quick centre-half to supplement Harry Maguire. He is the captain of that football club. He's not going anywhere. Victor Lindelof, who was culpable. I thought young Brandon Williams as well didn't cover himself in too much glory, but he is a young boy just starting out in his footballing career, so I can forgive him a little bit, but Victor Lindelof for both goals. Ball watching. It's the worst thing you can do as a centre-half. Positioning as well. Not quite sure of Victor Lindelof. So a centre-half is required. I know that Koulibaly is the one that all the teams have been linked with, but he's 29 now. So where do United take that particular uh, search? 
search this summer. I think Jaden Sancho will still be done. And you're absolutely right, a number nine, but where do you turn to for a number nine right now? You ain't getting Harry Kane. Daniel Levy is not selling him unless you're willing to spend some serious, some serious coin. You know, six figure. Nine figures. And I don't so think. You know, how old is Harry Kane? 26, 27? He's 27, I think. 28 next birthday. He's not He's not the kind of player you want to invest 100 million in, let's be honest. Probably not right now, no. Plus, his age. price tag, because he's English and he plays in the Premier League, will, will go up be. anyway. Yeah. So I, just, I don't think that's. It's interesting. A lot of United fans, uh, and we'd love to hear from anyone that is tuning in this evening, whether you've watched them or not, in terms of progress that has been made. Who's uh, the new Aguero? You know, who's the 21 year old who's the next big thing? Lautaro Martinez over at Inter Milan is the, the new Aguero, diminutive, and whether he's a 25 goal a season man remains to be seen, but he's the one that everyone's going gaga over right now. A real breakthrough season under Antonio Conte at Inter. United making unwanted history, though, the first English team in history to bow out of three major tournaments in the same season at the semi final stage. And it does mark the first time in 31 years that United have gone three successive seasons without picking up a piece of silverware. You have the glass half full. United fans saying progress has been made. A lot of youth now with Mason Greenwood coming in, his emergence this season, that they are on the right track. They're playing some lovely, vibrant football. Equally, you have the, the United fans, glass half empty, that will point out when we talk progress, 66 points is the exact same total that United in the league this is reached last year. And when you also factor in the fact that, OK, they finished third, but that was the lowest total for third place since the 97-98 season. So you've got to be relative. You've got to take, mm. you've got to take stock in all d- of that. Don't look at the numbers. For me, the optimism comes from the, way, the style of play and the, the, the individuals, the youth, importantly, because they, those players are progressive. They are trending in the right Maturing. direction. They will yeah. get better. And it's now a case of good buys, yeah. not bad buys. Obviously, that goes without saying. But is Solskjaer, is the team, is Ed Woodward capable of bringing in the players that they actually need? Because I still feel like Jadon Sancho is a bit of a, for 100 million odd, okay, he's going to improve the team, but is he really what they need, given the fact they've got Martial, Greenwood and Rashford? It's interesting what you say about uh, United this season against the big teams have shown that they can do it. Dare I say, there is some comparisons with Liverpool a couple of seasons back where they were getting they were getting stuck. They were getting you know, a, a little, in terms of the, the, the smaller teams, they were struggling a little bit. What did they do? They identified a goalkeeper, they spent big on Alisson. They identified a centre-half, they spent big on Virgil van Dijk. You're absolutely right, Rob. They need to identify their number one targets, not working through a list of number four and five. Go after your number ones, whether that's Sol Niguez, Atletico Madrid, mm. Jadon Sancho. And if it is Koulibaly... And if they're going to spend, spend big money, money, you know, I don't know whether there's a defender out there who's worth the big money right now, but I, I, you know, if I was a United fan, I'd rather see them spend £50 million on a world-class centre-back than £100 million on Jadon Sancho. Listen, let's get to the text lines because uh, a lot of you getting in touch. Someone's asking out there, is Thiago Alcantara going to join Liverpool? The noises would suggest exactly that. I know a number of reports saying that he has already agreed personal terms, which I always find weird. How on earth do you agree personal terms if you haven't agreed a fee with his football club? Unless he's been given... Yeah, because you don't get on the phone, the agent, just to say, yep, here are his terms. That's something you do... What's the deal? Unless, listen, Bayern, I, I do know Karl-Heinz Rummenigge has come out to say that they are aware that Thiago wants to leave the football club. Liverpool have been touted as his next destination. 29 years of age is Thiago now. It makes a lot of sense to me, that though, that transfer, because if you look at what Thiago is, Liverpool don't actually have a player like him. He's a bit of a metronome. 
Mm. You know, Fabinho is more of a destroyer, reads the game so well does Fabinho, someone that just sits in front of the back four. But when you look at someone getting on the ball and actually all the play going through him, Liverpool don't have a midfielder like that. So it makes a lot of sense to me. And another, I guess, and I hate to say it, but another kind of doff your cap to Liverpool and what they're trying to do, identifying a player like Tiago. What's going on with Naby Keita? Yeah, again, he's had a tough time, hasn't he? He's not, I say a tough time, he's a Premier League winner for goodness sake. But I've been waiting for the fireworks a little bit because at RB Leipzig, he was all action. And at Liverpool, he's just, he's taken a bit longer perhaps to find his feet. I think there is still faith there in him because I think there's a heck of a player there. And, you know, when you look at Fabinho, Jordan Henderson won't go anywhere. You've got Jorginho Wijnaldum, who may, I know he's got a bit of a contract standoff at the minute, but I'm a huge fan of him. Throw Thiago Alcantara, Naby Keita, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, a six midfield, and I've not even included James Milner. The beauty of those six, they're all different. They all offer something a bit different. I always think the perfect makeup of a midfield and again, I can only use United as my reference point, but I go back to when they had Carrick, Scholes, Fletcher, Hargreaves, Anderson. They all offered something a bit different, you know? Mm. They could all, and, and Fergie was a genius at mixing and matching to suit the opposition. And if Thiago Alcantara comes in, then Jurgen Klopp has got an embarrassment of talent there to mix and match that midfield axis, whether it's a two or a three, to match up the opposition. And it's it's a great place to be in. So it would suggest, and, and certainly what I'm reading, that Thiago may well end up on Merseyside. We watched the space. No, no fee yet agreed. I believe Bayern Munich are looking for upwards of £30 million. We've got another message in to say that United need a centre-half, a striker, defensive midfielder, fit all in Sanchez price tag, and all eight should take a course from Mourinho on making changes when necessary, not waiting until the 81st minute. They do need a centre-half. They do. I, I like Sancho. I want Sancho. Do they need a defensive midfielder? They need a midfielder. I think Son Liguez from Atletico Madrid would be perfect for that midfield. Again, it's options. You know, Fred, McTominay, Bruno Fernandes. You want quality in there. You want different players to give you something a bit different. But I do keep your messages coming in on that one on 4001. Of course, the second semi-final this evening, Rob. Staying up for it, Inter, Shakhtar? Uh, I'll certainly give the, give the first half a go. And see what uh, see what's doing there. It's one of those I ones. You'll give it a chance. Lot, I haven't watched an awful lot of Inter Milan this season. They've been good. Do watch them. Yeah, Antonio. Conte. I'm looking forward. I mean, it's Manchester United light, really, isn't it? But uh, well, the players there is, but <laughs> no, I mean, tactically, it certainly is not. No, no, absolutely. No, no, I, I do them a disservice. I mean, and and again, I just don't think Lukaku, Sanchez, uh, Ashley, well, Young. Ashley Young. Sorry, but no one will ever convince me that Ashley Young is a great player. I, you know. That's just the way I feel about it. Steady Eddie career. But uh, yeah, Sanchez, clearly someone who just never fired at Man U. Lukaku never quite hit the the heights. Got the goals, but he just is. I think in Italian football, maybe it's a little bit easier for him to to sort of, I don't know, make his presence felt. Physicality, yeah. He's obviously done. He's had a great season, hasn't he? He's had a phenomenal season. Not surprised by that. And I think he will be the difference once again this evening. Should be a good one. That quartet of Brazilians that Shakhtar Donetsk boast in the final third. Really good to watch. Real good telepathy between those four. They will give into problems. I think, though, the Nerazuzzi will get there. And... uh, it should be an Inter-Sevilla final. Looking forward to that. James has been in touch. He says it was Simone, uh, Simona Halep in New York City. She was not James. She has. She still was in Europe and she's admitted that she doesn't want to travel to New York during uh, due to these exceptional circumstances. I find it strange that tennis seems to be alone as a sport where it comes to the 
willingness of its mm. top players to participate. Not wrong. Cricketers have got on board. Golfers have gotten on board. Obviously, we know footballers have gotten on board. NBA stars have gotten on board. One or two NFL have A lot of dissenters in tennis. And I don't know why that is. Because let's be honest, most of the people who are dissenting, the Roger, sorry, Roger's not fit, R- Rafa Nadal and Simona Halep now, the latest one to do so, it's not as if they couldn't afford their own personal transport to and from the venue. Fly in on a private jet, live in that bubble and compete and I'm I'm just a bit puzzled. I'm a bit miffed by it, if I'm if I'm honest, because more to it. Do you think? Well, I don't know what more there could be to it. Power play behind the scenes. They're not happy with the way that the maybe, game is but, governed. But then, it just makes me wonder: Do these people not want to compete for Grand Slams? I mean, golfers want to play majors. We know it's not ideal. We know that okay, behind closed door events are not are not what any of us want to see, but. For the fact that six of the top ten players have pulled out on the women's mm. side of this Grand Slam, it's a it's a shell of what it should be. Oh yeah, it absolutely. shouldn't. Frankly, it should not be going ahead without at least seven or eight of the top ten. You know, yeah, six of four of the top ten. It's not a Grand Slam. Simple oh, as that. Oh, it's not now. a Grand Slam. Chris. Come on now, don't no, you it's fall not. that trap. Well, it's not. It is a Grand Slam. Oh, so if all ten of the top ten weren't it's a Grand Slam, it's their choice. Let's not besmirch. Let's not downplay the US Open. There's a huge These asterisk. Except- no, don't there is a huge start. asterisk. There is, Chris. The reason why it wasn't on the PGA Tour, on the PGA, was because all 50 of the top 50 golfers played. You've got to beat the best to that, win a Grand is Slam. Is that tennis's fault? Is that the organiser US Open's fault? Someone needs to sort them out. But it's their choice. It's their God-given right, you know, they're free to make the decision that they are. I don't. I, I want to stop short of doing that because, well, listen, you know me, I'm a Federer fan, so if you want to start going down that route, we'll put a well, no, asterisk but... next to Novak if he indeed does go on to win this US Open. I don't want to do that. It's the same with Liverpool winning the league. It's whoever wins the Champions League. These are just times that are a bit different. Everyone's got to get on board with them. You just take what you're given and you go and do the very best that you can with the circumstances there is. And listen, okay, six of the top ten haven't or, or won't be there from the women's side, but it's not the first time. I'm sure if we went through history, we will have seen that some big names have missed out through injury. Over How many years would you have to go back to find six of the top ten? I know, I know that rankings, is my homework for the year. I know rankings have only come in in what, the 70s and 80s? That is, Ranking, rankings came in, I think, in the 80s in tennis. So, obviously... That will never have happened, I guarantee it. Six of the top ten. Yeah, that that's never my have homework happened. for the evening because we've got run out of time to do it this evening. But okay. I will look into that because I'm sure there will have been instances where it just, to, to be honest, it just doesn't feel right that six of the top ten are missing. Rafa Nadal not defending his title is also, with Roger not being there again, we're going to have to just get used to the fact that sometime in the near future the big three are going to retire and that's going to be tennis. Yeah. But when they're still there but not there, there's something about it that just, first of all, it's it's an absolute gift for Djokovic, you'd, th- you'd have thought. You, you would have thought. Yeah, that's not to be too disrespectful to the other players, but yeah, Novak, who has laid low, <laughs> it's fair to say. My missus actually asked that question. Where's Novak It was interesting to see he was pictured quiet. in a mask about to board his private plane with Goran Ivanisevic, who was also, having recovered from COVID-19, also wearing a mask. 
their fighting fit are Goran and Novak. They there's, are... been, there's been no preaching from Novak no. about the, the benefits of... He hasn't had that guy Sharvin on his Instagram <laughs> account any time. Hoff. Yeah, Novim Hoff. Novim Hoff breathing method has not popped up uh, on Novak's Instagram. We can all be thankful for that. Yeah. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.